Hello and welcome to episode 60 of Entertainment the Vexens, the podcast where we talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. I'm Tom. And I'm Ben. And today we're talking about the 1998 film Following. This will contain spoilers. So then, this is Nolan's first, it's his debut feature film. So, obviously with it being Nolan, the plot is not in chronological order. One edgy lad. It's not. It it is not, because we have all seen the film. (laughs) And we know. We've definitely not just read the IMDb description. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not. Um, so it it follows. It's a joke. Um, it's, it's a, a joke. joke. Someone who calls himself Bill, but is credited as the young man. Um, who initially he just kind of follows people around for fun because he's you know it's like people are interesting and he might use the material to help for his writing, and then. This guy, who is a burglar, but he he doesn't really take many valuable things. He just likes the thrill of breaking into people's houses. Kind of uh, takes him in, and they start robbing houses together. And then it all gets like kind of tangled with. He meets this woman who's got a dodgy ex-boyfriend who is apparently blackmailing her, and he has to like steal the blackmail material from a safe but then it turns out that she wasn't actually being blackmailed and it was all a ploy that the man that started him on the thieving was the setting him up was setting him up to as a possible suspect for a crime that the other guy who's called Cobb the burglar man was a suspect in and he didn't want to get arrested. Um, but then you, th- you think it's that, but then you find out from the police that actually it was so that that guy could kill the woman and blame it on Bill. And that's, that's the whole plot. The bold, the bold yeah, guy. he's working for the bald guy. Yeah. And that's the plot, right? I got, did I get that right? Yeah, he did a pretty yes, good job. Yes, yeah, he summarised a Nolan film. I mean, I'd say that describing it like that, the plot does seem quite convoluted, but uh, I think the way it's told is relatively easy to follow, despite the fact there's quite a lot of sort of uh, changes in yeah. time. It took me a bit to figure out what it was doing in terms of the jumping around, like when things were, because I didn't actually notice the change in hair for some reason. And his yeah. clothes, and and then uh, I, I, I noticed it before, before he said about changing the hair. Yeah. yeah, I 
I um, but well, I caught on fairly early on. Obviously, the bit where he'd been beaten up was at a different time. But I with the glove uh, in his mouth took a while for like the dating the woman and the leather jacket scenes were at different times. But then when when I figured that out, it started to make sense. And you know, it uses the non chronological order to kind of make reveals. I was like, oh. What's the, the intrigue? Why is he looking in the piano stall? Oh, it's because the earring was yeah. put there. And... I mean, sometimes I'd say I'd say sometimes it does use it effectively like that, but sometimes it does seem a little bit unnecessary, and he's just doing it yeah. for the sake of it. Like when you see him coughing up the glove and stuff, and when you see them beating up earlier on, I guess it does. I, yeah, that was just like supposed to kind intrigue. of so like yeah, it was like something bad is going to happen to him. Yeah. Um, I'd say that the but I, it helped with revealing the thing of Cobb and is she ever named the woman? No, she's credited as the blonde. So um, it that you find out later on that they're colluding and that they've kind of set him up in this way. And the thing of then later finding out like the 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 blonde uh, who was saying about being burgled, it was actually him that robbed her and stuff like that helped yes yeah. Cobb is that an Inception <laughs> kind of reference it, it is there are people who have drawn things because in Inception the guy called Cobb um, is also a, a, ste- a stealer except he steals ideas um, and also Cobb in Inception is trying to get something from a safe but is like tricked by a character in it. I was looking at the similarities. It's it's very similar. So I think that in the Inception, it is a deliberate reference. Yeah, it's called Cobb. I mean, it does seem a bit of a coincidence that he's in the cast. He's the only person that actually has a name. So <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's definitely significant that he he chose that. It also kind of reminded me of the handmaid and the way that it uh, would like go back and uh, show you things. Obviously, in this in sort of different time periods. Oh that, yeah, um, reveal a different uh, different characters' motives and them working together. Yeah, but I would say the handmaid did it more in kind of a um, we're going back the whole section and yeah. seeing it again from a different perspective. Whereas this is more like. Uh, now we understand that this is a person colluding with whatever. Yeah. And adds in... A, yeah. But no, I, I see what you mean, yeah. The, well, obviously that came out like 20 years after. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's right. But, I don't really... Like, I've seen some critic reviews that are like, oh, it's quite derivative of other things. But I think from other things that I've seen, I think this is quite an interesting, unique concept that... I thought it was executed really well. Yeah, I thought... I don't know. I don't get those saying that it's derivative because I don't think that the non-chronological thing had been played out that much at this point because it is really... Um, well, I mean, it'd been done in Citizen Kane, obviously. That's the yeah. famous one. Um, but other than that, not much. And it was interesting that he kind of went with the black and white, I bet, was also to kind of cover up the kind of cheap quality of it but puts you in this noir um style 
that works with then the non chronological order quite well and it's not in a you know it's different from the pulp fiction manner where that's just non chronological because it's just following different stories whereas yeah. this actually does it to kind of in the end it all wraps up and makes sense and everything falls into place yeah i don't really know what it's what what was it meant to be derivative of like i can't i don't know the reviews were just like been seen before and i was like really and then other reviews yeah. were like yeah this is unique <laughs> To be honest, I'm not entirely sure whether it's on about the the like the non chronological way of storytelling or just some of the other details like the yeah. noir style and stuff. But I I think I the think... way that it's combined like it combines everything is very yeah. unique. And I think that especially in the third act, um you start to like in the last ten minutes or so, I think as everything starts to come together you see uh, some sort of early glimpses of what what sort of becomes known as the Nolan style later on, where he's like wrapping everything together in quite a, a tight way, and all the stories are interlinking. I think that's very Nolan esque. Yeah, because um, it is Nolan, but and I think it was kind of unique in that it was the noir, but it was British noir, yeah, like yeah, very. Well... You, I could see as the only other place it could have been set if it was American was like New York. Yeah, like um, I, I originally thought it was in New York, and then just did a double take of oh, everyone's speaking with like a Cockney accent. Like, yeah, yeah. and it's but then from that point, it's very British. The kind of like the flat buildings and the roof scenes, and also the fact that like the criminals use like hammers and things instead of guns. Um, yeah. So it kind of really works with the Britishness of it, like more of a serious uh, kind of like Guy Ritchie film. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Ben, have you seen a Guy Ritchie film? No. Ollie, have you you've seen you've seen Snatch, haven't you? Yeah, I've seen Snatch. There we go. You've seen a single Guy Ritchie film, which. <laughs> Is the same as me. Yeah. <laughs> Unless there's one sneaky one. Like, uh, there's, um, when I still hadn't seen any Scorsese films and you were like, oh, seen Hugo. Yeah. Hugh. <laughs> yeah. I keep forgetting Hugo's there's, Scorsese. The sneaky one like, is like, Sean the uh, Sheep. Oh, he directed, um, the, the new, the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I yeah. I've seen, seen that. And Man from years. Uncle. I've seen the Sherlock films. Did he direct? Yeah, he did direct Man from Uncle. Have you seen that? I haven't. No. no, but I've seen the Sherlock films. I've seen Man from Uncle, so I've actually seen. I think I've seen like. You've seen three. everything. I've <laughs> not seen everything. Well, I can't remember how many of the Sherlock film films. From, I've like seen. every director, or like mention a director, <laughs> and you'll just be like, "Oh yeah, the the guy that did this film. Like, <laughs> that was a good film." Yeah, I've now finally seen a Paul Thomas Anderson film, so there's another director to check off the list. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I'm very proud. Yeah, you should. Be. Speaking of directors, I, I, I th as I mentioned that the like the third act reminded me a lot of sort of later Nolan stuff. But do you think up until that point, because obviously when you think of Nolan now, it's it's more of like the big budget franchise stuff. But when it's stripped back to what do you say, six thousand pounds or something? 
Six thousand dollars, so yeah. less than six thousand pounds. Wait, that was the budget. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, <laughs> I know. Bloody it's hell! Crazy. It's crazy. I was like, I know it's low budget, but six thousand is nothing. Like when I, I saw know. like the credits and like how they were presented, I kind of guessed it'd be low budget because like it wasn't like a huge list. It was just like one guy that did like the coloring <laughs> yeah. and one like two guys that edited it, including one of whom was Nolan. But like. Six thousand. Well, they have to shoot. They have to shoot everything on a Saturday because a lot of them were either students or working. So that's why it took over a year to film because they they had to shoot every Saturday. <laughs> uh, so they didn't get that much time. And one of the reasons it's in black and white, obviously, is for the noir style, but also apparently it was easier to light. Yeah, um, yeah. Because so that way that would save time. Colors. Yeah. But I think that that star worked really well, and uh, I think just yeah. the fact knowing that it was this low budget and they had all these difficulties to overcome sort of enhances the, uh, like enhances the, um, the film a bit because you know because mm. there were know. there were a few issues because there's a lot of the main issues for me was like the ambient noise. I always find it kind of distracting, like. Where either it was too constant, like in the cafe scene when he first meets Cobb, you could kind of tell that everything was might like just there, you know, where, like the things on the table when it's got that like cheap sound. I don't know what they do in, I think in like actual films they overdub all the sounds of like chair scrapes and things like that. Yeah, uh, it's usually. But in like... this, you could tell that was different. And then the scene in the bar with the bald man and the blonde, like the background talking kept cut, cutting in and out and that was a bit distracting yeah uh, and like they were the only technical issues i noticed i kept trying to look for cameraman shadows but i don't think i saw any it was also quite annoying when like when they were outside like and he was to- well anyone was talking but you could tell there was this compressor over it so just the background noise would just like duck every time he speaks so you'd kind of get this like yeah effect but like for six thousand, that's I. I'm just imp- really impressed. Like the level of quality <laughs> there. Was yeah. it? I'm assuming no. it wasn't actually shot on film. Um, like that must have been an effect added afterwards. I can't remember. I'm sure I saw this. <clears throat> uh, it was. It was a. It was a single camera, handheld, almost entirely handheld, apparently. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Google it now. I'm trying to find it. Apparently, it's off Nolan on to interview. The budget does mean it's one of the least expensive feature films in history, so that's cool. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's just these extra details that I think... Um, you know all these like nitpicking of the slight technical imperfections. I think that's kind of adds to the like just the style of it. And I think um, what to say what he had I, I, because it's so driven by the story and the way that it's all links together and like the characters um, are, are very intriguing. And I think he's, he does a good deal of a, a good um, job of kind of. Uh, 
creating them as kind of enigmatic at the start and you don't fully understand who they are because obviously the concept of the film of this guy just randomly following people which actually doesn't feature too prominently in the rest of it but that's a very weird concept uh so i like the way that the characters are introduced at the start in more mysterious way and then it's only right on at the end of the film where you start to fully understand what their goals are and uh like how their all their behaviors are interacting and stuff yeah uh i can confirm that this was actually shot on film 16 millimeter film yeah, I mean, it was it was very. The scenes were heavily rehearsed beforehand, apparently, so that they only needed one or two takes because Nolan was paying for the film out of his salary, as in like the the actual physical film stock. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He was paying for that out of his salary, so yeah, they, everything was one or two takes because they just did it over and over and over. Oh. Well, that's pretty interesting. And his his uncle is the policeman in the interrogation thing. <laughs> so that kind of shows you the people he got. And the people that they've not, you know, like the young man actor or Bill hasn't really been in anything since, but he gave when him cameos on... in the Batman trilogy and stuff like yeah. that. Because when you go on the actor of Cobb, he hasn't been in anything else, apparently. I thought he did a pretty good job. Probably just some random. Like, I thought it was all right, shoot. yeah, but there are a few moments yeah, where the acting's a bit iffy, but yeah, that's kind of expected. But it's I mean, basically yeah, student but, like, film. I feel like that. Kind yeah, of he made this while he was at uni. Like you know, I'm going to keep driving uni, the but... point that I didn't think it was didn't know it was six thousand, but like it seemed <laughs> quite a like you know when I say like a simple movie, but not in like a bad way, just as in like it doesn't need loads of like really cinematic production or anything to, for it to like exist it kind of just focuses on the story and then like the the rest of the aesthetics just kind of fall into place and help reinforce that like yeah 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 <laughs> yeah which i think is a big appeal behind a lot of his other films because even when he does get that big budget i think it's always the story that's at the core of it even when he has like the flashy special effects and the music and stuff. I think he's still very narrative driven yeah. when you compare it to kind of other modern action stuff. Hmm. What did you think of like, um, it seems st- strange. Like some of the quotes seem very like this is going to be the theme, but I couldn't figure out what it was. Like, you know, Cobb saying like, you take it away to show them what they had. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was taken away, though? That's what I want to know. I mean, I guess it was, like... Well, because he was talking about like, the stuff in the, the box, and it, it's, like... Maybe it's something to do with the fact that, like, people, like, stockpile these sort of things in, like, the box, but not really look at them. And then, like, once someone's rifled through them and... No, but I feel couple. like there, there was supposed to have been something taken away from Bill. Yeah, because I feel His like freedom? when he was... He was referencing that. He was making like a bigger... Well, he was kind of... Because the whole film, he seemed to be setting up uh, like Bill's incarceration. I, th- I thought thought that um, there'd be some point to why he wanted him to almost be punished or him to be the 
the culprit, but it never really seemed like apart from the fact that I don't know, maybe it's something to do with the fact that he was unemployed or but it almost seemed like the thing about oh make you appreciate what you've got he'd almost be pun- trying to punish people that are like in privileged positions and don't really appreciate everything they have whereas that n- never really seemed like it was the case with bill yeah because one of the things that was obvious is like the um people wanting their privacy to be invaded so there's the thing with their diary about where bill says like everyone wants someone to read their diary like it's personal but you kind of want someone to see it. And then Cobb later um, kind of lets him break into his own apartment and pretends it's someone else's, and then gets Cobb to, like, he tries to get him to say what he thinks about the person. Yeah. Um, which I, th- I thought was interesting. I figured out fairly early on that it was his apartment because I don't. it just seemed like... Yeah, as soon as he started lying, it was like, oh yeah, this is definitely his apartment. But I thought that that was kind of an interesting idea of wanting to, and then may- maybe when he went to the police, that was like him wanting to explain his life, like because he was so lonely, he feels like you need someone to observe your life for it to mean something. I, I don't know. Um, But I thought that was cool, and I liked that in... They... I like that they acknowledge the fact that they kept finding like spare keys. Yeah. <laughs> Later on, like Cobb, Cobb was saying, like, "Oh, come on, I couldn't have him, couldn't have it be another spare key, because <laughs> he'd obviously been planting them to specifically get him to, um, to rob places in the same way as him, so he could set him up for the murder at the end." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I noticed that the I mean I guess this plays into the budget thing again that there really wasn't that much music and when there was it was just kind of like ambient drones like I didn't feel yeah. like it needed it in fact yeah. I did notice, notice when there was music and I was like oh this is actually fairly good it's, I mean not like standout but I was like yeah this is alright yeah it fit yeah. What did you think of the running time, sixty nine minutes? I, I, I think it it worked well <laughs> because uh, it didn't. The pacing didn't seem like it seemed alright, given like you jumping around in time a lot. It's sometimes hard to sort of keep a consistent pace going with that, but um, it seemed to work pretty well. Yeah, no, the solid the pacing was solid. I thought and. Maybe it could have been a little long. I kind of did actually want um, there to be more of Bill just following people around because I thought that was an interesting concept that they ditched quite quickly. Yeah. And yeah, I also feel like he could have had a bit more of an exploration of why he was following Cobb, like why he became so fixated on him. Uh, And I think that would have been he'd probably be able to achieve that if he showed him like following a few people beforehand for a bit longer i also feel like maybe the the last revelations at the end was perhaps slightly rushed and uh the, it, it was very fast paced i'd say but it, i think the fact that um that, that he was kind of 
constrained to just 90 well not not 90 like 70 minutes uh was like a, a further thing that he had to deal with um and i think that's just another feat that he kind of overcame to make it more impressive uh that he's able to achieve all this in such a short duration of time but another 10 minutes or so i don't think would have hurt it just helped to uh sort of clear some things up a bit more and then make some of the reveals at the end perhaps a bit more satisfying yeah and um i i although i think that the final revelation was kind of i don't know how it could have been made that much longer i, th- I think it was fine with the police kind of explaining it to him i'm sure it's been done in other films before a similar thing but i'm just interesting to note that on the note of the music that he did actually use the same composer in Memento, Insomnia, and The Prestige. Uh, so he's done things later on, and I think I know a few other films. Like I think Cabin in the Woods was fairly well received from that horror film from ten years ago. Or am I making that up? Yeah, that was fairly well received. I was correct. So uh, he he did actually go on to do other stuff. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's a decent composer, which is why the music was good. Yeah. 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 But I do definitely agree that to say it's called following, and that's kind of the the main concept that I guess people are drawn into it. I think that it was... It's, it kind of took us quite a surprising turn when that didn't seem to be anywhere near the the main point of the film and they started to uh, divert your attention into the burglary and then obviously that takes its own turn. Yeah, although to be fair, the burgling was kind of seen as a voyeuristic, like looking into people's lives. Yeah, so... I think that was one of the wider themes about like that voyeurism and the the fact that... Uh, I think all of these characters was, were at different points in the film made presented as being sort of these cold, uh, manipulative people who were uh, exploiting the, the other characters, but at the same time they kind of put on that facade of friendliness and stuff. So I think it was a good uh, exploration of um, of just people in general and like the different. Uh, the ways that different people present themselves at different times. And uh, that's definitely something that uh, I think was set up at the start with the idea of him following people and that voyeurism, as you were saying. Mm. And it was very, as well as like managing to have those kind of themes, it was also very tightly written for like a debut micro-budget film. Like I don't, there were there were no things that kind of went nowhere. Like even random details, like him signing the credit card, then became important later on. Mm. Uh, and living in people's houses when they'd gone on holiday, that turned out to be like David Lloyd, um, and things like that. It, it all everything mattered to the plot while also having these kind of, you know, the themes of looking in on people's lives, um, yeah, and picking also- out someone from a crowd. They're also kind of able to set up a few like red herrings as well through the the uh, flashbacks and flash forwards kind of. But I think the only thing that, as I was saying about like the fact that it might have been revealed a bit too quickly at the end, I did like the idea that 
they set these things up that then later served in with the plot, like the credit card and stuff. But I think it did start to become a bit of just list, like the policeman at the end, just listing the things. And then he he's like overcome with shock that he's been set up this way. But I feel like it was perhaps done a bit too quickly because you you have in the space of like a minute, he referenced loads of different things from in the film. To, uh, try and trace back through the hour you've just watched and try and remember all these different things that link together. Mm. Yeah, I feel like some of that was effective, but you know, it, 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 I, I kind of see what you mean. It, it was just like, oh, but there's this, and it's oh yeah, it was this. Oh, and the the credit card. Oh, the the credit card like yeah it was it was clever and stuff but like it was kind of a little bit just like oh remember this well now it's relevant it's like yeah <laughs> like I, I did, that was a bit that annoyed me because like it was clever and it was set up earlier but it did just feel like they, they were sort of listing them off yeah i don't know what it is i like the concept of it because it's like it will, as you as you said, it was like really tightly written, and um, it shows that like there was a lot of thought that went into the writing process. But also, I don't really like the hey, you you still awake? Do you remember this moment? Well, it's relevant now. Do you remember this moment and this one and this one and this one? Do you have do you do you get the point that he he's like trapped now and going to be accused? Well, here's another one. I, I kind of liked it, so... Yeah. I mean, I it, 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 like, the fact that... The fact that, the fact that we're, like, pointing this out as, like, one of the big, like biggest flaws, like, shows how, like, really well done it was. Like, we really are kind of nitpicking, especially given it was only, like, the last minute of the film. <laughs> and I feel like that's... It was kind of that weird... It's like that weird dichotomy where I feel like, uh, in one hand, it was really effective because he was able to fit all this into such a short time frame but also on the other hand it would have been quite nice to flesh out some of these ideas but then it wouldn't necessarily all tie in as well uh and you wouldn't really i don't know it just kind of seems more impressive that he was able to fit all this into just over an hour whereas if you were developing these ideas more then maybe it would you know add an extra 10 or 15 minutes to the runtime, and then it wouldn't feel as tight yeah um one other thing that is my nitpicking criticism which is because of the low budget is like the violence was never very visceral or impactful like you could obviously tell like the hammering they they were never really hitting anyone yeah when when somebody when somebody got headbutted, that was pretty pathetic. Yeah, there was. You could tell though, there was never really any impact, which is obviously the perspective of the person being hit, and it would look really minor. Yeah, and it is obviously because of the low budget, but still, it distracts from the film. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't mind it that much, but. It was a bit annoying. Luckily, it didn't 
it wasn't that reliant on the violence, but the bits that it did use weren't great. Mm. Tom, are you gonna are you gonna tell us the crazy credit that you found? Oh, okay. There's a crazy credit that was actually an interesting crazy credit. So the film was shot from nineteen ninety six to ninety seven and was released in nineteen ninety eight. But the copyright listed in the credits is nineteen ninety nine. That's kinda of crazy. What's the reason for that? Crazy. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It was a typo or something. <laughs> it just listed as nineteen ninety nine. But that was a very crazy credit, Tom. That's one of the yeah. craziest credits we ever had. <laughs> I mean, there is a chronological cut of the film, but I don't. I feel like that kind of detracts a bit from the intricacy of the plot because uh you're not really setting things up then if it, if you just show them and then immediately get the reveal <laughs> yeah i don't know maybe it would work how do they know when the oh never mind <laughs> you can do it with a memento as well but i've not seen it so i don't know how it works do you think the restaurant scene was a bit weird when the woman walked in and then uh, Cobb was like, oh no, let's stay, I, need, I want to have pudding. And then he was like, like how, how did he know that she wouldn't react? Uh, what? You know the restaurant scene where he used the other credit cards and then the woman that, the first people, the first woman that, they burgled, came into the restaurant. Oh, because if she did react, then she would have to say that she was at home cheating on him. Yeah, I know, but she couldn't she just said, oh, I, I went home by myself just to check something, and then I came across them? Uh, I think it would be... I, I think she would have been too nervous. I think it's underst understandable. Um, especially because they didn't really take anything. <laughs> yeah. It just Cobb seemed a bit calm, but then again, that was kind of his whole character. Yeah, I mean, I guess he was kind of used to that sort of thing. So as long as he talked a bit, got out fast, and didn't leave her time to question, then like there were. Okay. Oh, also, he may have. It was suggested that he knew everyone. Yeah, I just realised that. Yeah. What? So they were just. So like it might acting. be that. Yeah. I don't know. It was that was kind of suggested. Hmm. Yeah. Cool and interesting. You. <laughs> cool and interesting. Makes you see the film in a whole new light. Yeah. Well, Anything else we've got to say? What, what, what would you rate it at? Um, I think the meta score is pretty harsh. Like some of their critics' reviews are quite. What's yeah. The, uh, what's the meta what's score? Saying about like the. Sixty. Oh, yeah, that's pretty harsh. Um, 
I think I enjoyed it about as much as Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So I was going to give it a 7.2. Thank you for your rating, uh, Tom. <laughs> you're welcome. I'm going to go higher than that. Uh, I I thought it was kind of I don't know, out of all the films we've done, it kind of reminded me a bit of uh, the interview like just yeah. Yeah. the ideas in it and the fact that it was quite low budget and stuff uh, but I gave the interview quite low, I just gave it a 7.3 uh, but I'm going to give this a 7 point uh you know what, I'm going to go 7.8. Ooh. So well, it's, wow, that's a lot of films it's better than. Well, I didn't so, like it as much as the interview, but I again, I gave the interview pretty high as a 7.8. So I'm going to go 7.6. Damn. I gave the lowest rating. This is you crazy. Did. You like this as much as Marriage Story? Okay, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> And me or Ollie? Uh, oh, Ollie. Oh, yeah, both of you, actually. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is 7.5. Oh, oh, we're back into the 7.5. Right? 7.5. No. Right? That's, that's your two's fault. Well, actually, it's that's your fault. Give it higher. No. <laughs> Bump it up. No, it's your fault. <laughs> I'll bump it up if you want me I'll to. Just, I'll just notice it's actually, it's, it's actually Ben's fault for giving it in the middle. See, if Ben went one of our sides, or way lower or way higher, then it would have been fine. I just find it interesting well, that most of them are around 7.5, Freddy got fingered at 0. 0.3. <laughs> 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 we haven't even caught any ones. <laughs> so, if you have a film that you think falls into the zero point three to two point two range, please do send it in, and we'll definitely probably do it at some point. Yeah, or anything lower than a zero point three, if you want to. You have a That's film that possible. you think is a 0 0.2 or a 0 0.1, or if you're feeling really edgy and you think it's a straight up 0, 0.0, then I'd love to hear. I also want to say I'd be happy filling out the 8.5 to 9.6 range. Nah. <laughs> oh, yeah, for a good time. Zero. Oh, okay. <laughs> perfect zero. Or a perfect 10, but I'd rather. Zero you'd, you'd rather a perfect we, zero than a perfect What yeah. if we have something that's so objectively bad that it's a 0, 0.0, but then we watch a film that's worse than it? Do we then go into negative Why numbers? are you so paranoid? You were paranoid about this in Space Odyssey as well. Like, Just <laughs> go for it. Same. Just... <laughs> Who's going to check up on you, Ben? <laughs> Live your life. Just... <laughs> <laughs> This is a really important <laughs> issue, guys. Live your life. <laughs> I'll live, I'll live your life. 
Look, don't as far as you knew at the time, you can, away from it, you can change your ratings, Ben, over time, you know? We literally did, there's an episode of you doing that. Yeah, but there's a difference between, like, the first four episodes, and then we gave up for two years, and like, oh wait. Oh, actually, really? I'm gonna shift this up by 0.1. Just if so you like... see if you see a better film or a worse film, then you can go like, oh, maybe this film wasn't as bad as I thought, and then change the rating. Hmm. <laughs> we said that we're always objectively correct, but that's not true. I'll well, just give it the same. Like, if you give something a ten, and then you think something else is slightly better, just give it a ten as well. <laughs> All right. I think I think that would break. Anyway, submission spotlight. We have one, but no one ever sends anything in. Please send something in so we're not sad. Oh, Thank you. Don't let us be sad. Exactly, that would be That's big sad. bad. I hope okay. Kubrick's, Kubrick submits something. Oh, come on, Kubrick, if you're listening, like, come on. We'd love to review one of, you, one of your works. Yeah. 22 years back from the dead. Orson Welles, come on. Wait, you're lacking. Ever since Citizen Kane dropped, been real quiet. <laughs> come on, Orson Nolan. Welles. What? Well, I feel like we need Nolan on for the interview now to... Yeah, <laughs> Christopher Nolan, if you're listening, we'll have you on next episode. Yeah, because we know you're a very low-budget filmmaker, yeah. as we can tell from this one film of yours that we've watched. Uh, I feel like Tenet had a budget of about six grand as well. That's a higher budget <laughs> than this podcast. I think it'd be funny if this was the only like Nolan film someone had ever watched. And then they like notice Nolan and they go up to him and they kind of approach him as if he's a small content creator. <laughs> well, and I, just I, like, I, I, cool. I, saw, I saw your film. I was like, oh man, I saw your like student film. It was really cool. I hope that you go and do bigger and better things because I think you've got real potential. <laughs> I'm gonna lie, if that was me as Nolan, I'd pretty much I'd pretty enjoy that. <laughs> so is this is this guy just like been frozen for twenty years and hasn't <laughs> the date of the film that this came out? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just like, oh, it's a real shame you never got to make anything else. <laughs> So this guy's gonna recognise Nolan despite never even looking him up because otherwise he'd have probably seen that he's done a few other films. But he just looked at like IMDb page with a broken this film Wi-Fi or some shit. Yeah. He just recognised yeah. him from his uncle playing the police. And he was like, that looks like that guy's nephew. Yeah, exactly. Do you oh. have any recommendations? Any any other like low budget student films like the ones Christopher <laughs> Nolan are known for? I'm trying. To, I don't think I've watched any more films. Um, oh, I finished the new season of Atypical. That was that was pretty good. So yeah. Um, have I seen any more films? Oh, I rewatched Aliens. <laughs> oh yeah, the, that's oh, a low budget. Uh, we, I'm pretty sure we actually bought it just before it went on Disney Plus. <laughs> Disney Plus because um, I, I I was like I thought it would have been on Disney Plus before because I knew it was part of 21st Century oh, Fo- or 20th Century Fox. Well, because I thought it would have already been on because I knew that Disney owned Fox, which owns the Alien franchise. But oh well. 
Okay, I've got a recommendation, but it's weird. Well, it's... I go first? Oh, oh yeah, you go first. The order. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, you can go first if you want. Oh, sure. Given it's a special week for actually <laughs> recommending something. Ooh. It's also kind of not a style of media we've had before, I don't think. So it's kind of like... So on Apple Music, um, like, what the, the weekend does is he has this, like, show... Um, it's kind of like a radio show, but it's, like, on Apple Music and stuff. It's called Memento Mori. And it's basically just, like, him playing a Was lot of Is that a Game his... of Thrones reference? What? Don't think so. It's just Isn't a... that a Game of Thrones thing, Ollie? It's just, like, a Latin phrase that means remember you'll die. Yeah, yeah, they say it in Game of Thrones. I mean, maybe, they, maybe with the, the Iron Coin. Yeah. Game yeah, of yeah, Thrones yeah. stan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we know this. Yeah, Game of Thrones references. It's also apparently a huge thing outside of it, but no, it's a Game of Thrones reference. <laughs> yeah, so in this <laughs> yeah, show that was named after the Game of Thrones quote, uh, <laughs> yeah. he basically just plays like a load of songs that are like his influences and stuff. So, like, there, there'll be like some stuff, but then, so a few months ago, he did like a f- five-year anniversary edition of his album Kissland, and it was like lots of like experimental electronic stuff, and um, he's recently released a song like yesterday, uh, which is good. You should check it out. It is called uh, "Take My Breath." It's definitely not him talking about his girlfriend's choking fetish. Um, but like, so, but like it, this time it was just an hour and a half of like synthwave and like uh, electronic tracks. Like it was really cool. There's stuff like uh, from like uh, Sebastian Tellier, um, Kravinsky, obviously Daft Punk. There was um, the prologue from ELO's Time on there as well, which opened the whole thing, which was kind of like dumb. It's just, it's just really cool. It's like you wouldn't have thought that like a lot of these influences would have inspired him, but like they do. So it is cool. That is our first radio inverted commas show recommendation. <laughs> nice. Um. Ooh. Right. I'll, uh, I know a while ago, uh, Tom recommended the show how to sell drugs online fast oh yeah uh, season three came out didn't it yeah uh i've got a couple of episodes left of season three i've not seen season three yet <laughs> it's pretty good i'd say the only thing about the show is i wouldn't necessarily go into it expecting it to be a comedy as like it's advertised because i wouldn't there are some funny moments but i'd say it's it's more of a serious like yeah sort of drama thing but it's good but um they also released this hour and a half, I guess, documentary about the person that the main character in that show is based on, um, which, uh, yeah, it, it's very different to the show. Like In in terms of the fact that, uh, I guess, towards the end of season two and the start of season three, the main character in the show uh, tries to be more independent but in the rest of it he's kind of working with other people whereas in real life it seems like this was all 
just a one-man job of a 19, 20-year-old uh, selling drugs in his bedroom. And um, obviously it goes on to when he was caught and uh, it like... So I'd, I, because I haven't finished season three yet and I don't know if it would be the last season or not, I'm not really sure how they're going to end that show and how accurate it will be with what actually happened. But um, it's quite an interesting like comparison to see uh, how much they've like embellished the the truth and like the similarities and differences between what goes on in that and the uh, the actual guy that did it, like the mastermind behind it, I guess. Um, and they're not necessarily a recommendation, but I also saw Space Jam: A New Legacy. Uh, Is it any good? Which, um, in one word, no. I mean, <laughs> like the first Space Jam's a really fun film. Like it's not necessarily objectively good, but uh, it's probably the film I've watched the most times. Either that or The Phantom Menace, but uh. <laughs> two masterpieces there um <laughs> this one just is two hours long um i it feels like it's just meant uh trying to promote a bunch of warner brothers franchises like within this film there's references to uh rick and morty mad max casablanca uh dc the Matrix, Austin Powers, uh, A Clockwork Orange. <laughs> this is in a you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like a billion more. Um, wow. And it, it just feels like really lazy. Uh, some of the acting's terrible. The Looney Tunes are barely it. Well, they're in it, but they don't really feel like there's... Really, the like the core of the film. They got uh, rid of Lola's boobs. I know. <laughs> so sad. They also got rid of Lola's dialogue. She has like one line. <laughs> uh, I saw so, that. Yeah. I saw that clip of like the notorious P.I.G. and oh, yeah. <laughs> just wanted to ram my head against the wall. Oh yeah, no, I did. I have seen that actually. Yeah, so I've seen a few reviews. Oh, oh there's a Gremlins reference by the looks of it. Is there a yeah, Gremlins about reference? Everything you can imagine. Wow, is like, is it why... like is it like Ready Player One? Yeah, but I've heard worse people and... compare it. Worse? What? Even more references to Ready Player One? But just like lazy references that I don't oh, even the mask? understand. Oh yeah, the mask. In it. He's in the crowd, just like. Oh yeah! Oh, it. That's yeah, Pennywise, Pennywise. I think. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Alex DeLarge and his goons are chilling in the crowd watching the game. Oh, they are. That's so weird. Uh. So yeah. But it's... Ollie, it's got Don Cheadle in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, he plays someone called Aldrew Rhythm, and he he genuinely looks like he's trying way too hard, but. <laughs> Is this one of those think... like kangaroo jacks? How could you not like it? Where like it was like Christopher Walken doing like an okay job, but like you just felt bad for him. Yeah. <laughs> How could you not like it? It's got Don Cheadle in the our Lord and Savior. I mean, we I mean, love LeBron Don Cheadle. Also, but, like... was was trying a lot, but his acting was 
I mean, he's not great. an actor, is he? I mean, not to say that Jordan's <laughs> acting was great in the first one, but at least that actually had a bit of life to it, that film. Whereas this is just... It literally feels like an algorithm, bro. And it's really weird because you within the algorithm. film, they kind of... Yeah. <laughs> within the film, like, the whole concept is that the the bad guy, algorithm, he wants to abduct LeBron um, because... Uh, he comes up with this proposal that LeBron can be scanned into a bunch of cartoons like Harry Potter and, well, not that that's a cartoon, but like Harry Potter and Batman and stuff. And uh, and then LeBron's literally like, oh, why would we do that? That's just a terrible, lazy idea. And then that's literally what this film is. And it's not <laughs> even as if it's meant to be a satire. It's just, I don't understand it. There's like a vid, I, I saw this video on YouTube about how like, Space Jam 2 hates itself, and it's kind of true. <laughs> I feel like they just they didn't want to make this, but they just did it for the money. I don't blame them because I think it's making a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's good to sell out as long as it does actually make you money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. And yeah, all right. Well, thanks for listening. Next week, we are Trist- doing. Uh, oh, do we have to pick something at random again? Yeah, because we've prepared and didn't do something beforehand. <laughs> Let's find something from the future episodes list. Oh, do you want to do her? Oh, I would. Do who? Yeah. Uh, uh. Do her? I've hardly met her. That's a joke. <laughs> that is a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, not her, her. What? No, no what? one would do her. Sorry, I thought it was her. How would you do her? Was it not her? No, her. Oh. Her? Yeah, I'd absolutely do her. Oh, her. Yeah, her. Yeah, you get it. Can we just wrap yeah. up the episode? <laughs> Thanks for listening. We're on social media, but we never post there. Go to our website. Thanks for listening. All right, see ya. All right, All right see ya. See ya. Yeah, that's it.